Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Um, this has been an awesome episode. I just got done interviewing Brendan Valdez. He's a guy I worked with early on in StarCraft II, um, and we've done several other shows together. We've done a bunch of odd job casts uh, with different games. We talk about that a little bit in the podcast, and we talked about a lot of really interesting stuff. Uh, before we jump into this episode, please support us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash tasteless podcast. Uh, the support you give us there goes to help make this podcast more awesome. I think we're up to 44 Patreons. If we get to 100, I will be doing a bonus podcast AMA. Um, that's patreon.com forward slash tasteless podcast. And without f- further ado, our episode with Brendan Valdez. Brendan Valdez, thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Hey, what's up, Nick? Not Glad to, to finally join. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. I'm really excited to have you on. I haven't seen you that much lately because you've been casting a ton of League of Legends. Uh, I've been doing a lot of StarCraft 1 and StarCraft 2. I used to see you all the time because uh, we were doing Pro League together, yeah. Expo TV. Um, but yeah, we've all been crazy busy out here. So how are things going for you? Uh, going really well. Things are going very smoothly over at uh, the LCK, doing the the riot job right now, having a lot of fun. Me and uh, Atlas, who was on the podcast before, yes, the two play by plays over there, definitely uh, a fun time so far. Now that is a much longer day of broadcasting than what we did in StarCraft Two. Yeah, uh, I, I, mean, I found think, it. What, what is it? Five hours for? And I'd a say half? average is about five hours. Five to five and a half is about how long it takes i found the step up in stamina that you need to cast that game very interesting because doing starcraft you know when i first started that seemed very hard and yeah but then when i started doing league of legends i'm like oh man (laughs) and a lot of downtime to fill as well so it's definitely uh it's a tiring game to cast for sure yeah it it's funny because you know i'll occasionally tune in and, and, and check in on you guys and it's usually on a night i'm not working uh, so I'm in the house doing stuff, and I have it on. But, I, I, yeah, it seems like the League of Legends, at least the LCK broadcasts mm-hmm. out here, a lot longer than what we normally do in StarCraft. Uh, in StarCraft 2, I'll tell you what, GSL, that's about a three to three and a half hour broadcast. And, yeah. and that's my – usually round of 32 is my longest, most challenging day of work. Yeah. And, and then, you know, obviously I think a shorter broadcast just becomes easier inherently unless it's so short. Like, I've had some days at ASL where it's so short, I feel like I wasn't even warmed up. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like a best of five yeah. Zerg versus Zerg. That just, mm. it, it's, it could sometimes end in 35 minutes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, what was that transition like trying to get ready for a, a marathon cast like that? Because you probably only have four commercial breaks or three commercial breaks. Well, the way they do it now is um, they have a break in the middle. Like, they have uh, set starting times. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. So if we end the first set at, like, uh, 6.45, which happens sometimes, then we're waiting for over an hour to start the next set. So sometimes you get a really big break, and in between the two sets, it'll be minimum, like, 25 minutes. So you do get that break in the middle, at least, to, like, recharge for the next two teams that are going to come out. And uh, the broadcast kind of, like restarts again it's like two yeah. two broadcasts of two best of threes when you think about it that way and uh it's it's a nice break in the middle for sure just to you know you have some food right you get your dinner and uh you can recharge for the next set do you feel like um when you eat in between that 
that broadcast that that slows you down a little bit. I found sometimes if I eat, like on a commercial yeah. break, I suddenly hit this food coma where Artosis is talking, and I suddenly realize I didn't hear what he said because yeah. I had a <laughs> a sandwich or something on the commercial break, and all the blood in my that should be in my brain is now in my stomach. Mm. Yeah, it uh, it can slow you down, especially if you have a little bit too much, right? If you uh, you have one and a half doshiraks or something like that, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a couple extra lunch boxes, and uh, yeah, it, it can be rough uh, for that for sure. So uh, it's important to monitor your food levels, I guess. I had this uh, at KSL. There's this bakery. We're in the basement floor of this really nice building, and this bakery on the first floor is this award-winning bakery. Mm. And I, I'm not much of a bread guy, really. Oh, yeah? But I've just started <laughs> started eating these pastries. <laughs> and I've had some of the most out-of-it moments ever when I'm in a cast where I say, oh, I should not have eaten that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, some croissant sandwich. Or, it's <laughs> yeah. just it's like, yeah, I, I can't uh, focus at all. And then you start at 5 p.m., right? 5 p.m., yeah. You have that best of three, and then the the break in the middle obviously varies. Um, yeah. And then when do you normally end up getting out of the studio? If it's a quick day, we'll be out by 10, maybe like 9.50 on a really super fast day. Um, but the latest I've gone has been like 11, 11.30. So you can get those really long marathon broadcasts yeah. where you do – we call it the six-game broadcast, right, because two best of threes, right? It goes all the way to game three. You get some slower teams like Jin Air or Genji in there, and it's like, well, the second set even starts at 9 p.m., so it, it can get really, really late. I know that uh, Atlas has done some broadcasts that went to 12 or even later, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you can really run into issues, especially if you have like a pause or anything like that. That's when you know you're really in for a long day. Yeah, when Danami, um, especially the first – season or two at GSL you know now now things are very streamlined whether it's league or starcraft mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a very streamlined process of like okay you get the players in there you do this you, you bang them out uh, and then and then you go to a commercial break but uh, when we first started people would pause constantly you yeah. get players that were nervous and would accidentally mute their own sound yeah <laughs> and think that they're so we ended up with all these pauses constantly and you know as a caster that's the moment when you go oh fuck a pause because oh, yeah. you don't know how long <laughs> yeah. that delay is going oh, to boy. be. And it's always this weird moment where you're trying to economize what you're going to talk about with your co-host. And mm -hmm. you don't know. This could be a two-minute pause. If it's a two-minute pause, no problem. But, yeah. you know, sometimes you have those pauses where it goes to 30 minutes. And maybe your producer doesn't throw to a commercial. Mm-hmm. Often the choice that they make, yes. by the way. <laughs> yes, often. <laughs> often. So it's not like it's a 10-minute pause and they're like, oh, yeah, we should go to a commercial break. That I don't think I've ever actually had that happen to me. It's at least like 15 minutes, and they have to get to a point where they're like, oh, this is, a, this is an issue we can't solve right now. So we have yeah. to go to a break. Otherwise, I mean, the casters are going to be on for 40 minutes straight, which has also happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's such a, that's such a weird feeling, too, because you're – you're kind of chained to the desk in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, you can't take the headphones off unless somebody, like a producer, talks into your ears. Mm -hmm. It's just you and the co-host. You know, for the people that are listening to this, when you're doing a, a cast like that, there's really not much you can hear in the venue. Yeah, uh, not really, no. You're kind of in this weird, I mean, it's sort of like the setup we have now. We both have headphones on now, but everything else is sort of a distant sound. So there's almost no communication you can have anywhere else, and you're sort of just there trying to fill time and it's totally weird do, do you guys still have a lot of pauses now in league 
I feel after like- uh, actually after Riot took over, it's been very uh, smooth. Really, which, uh, a lot of people expected it to you know Riot taking over the broadcast Riot Korea to be specific, right? right. They had to hire a lot of people and get this whole thing up and running. And uh, it was in a new venue that they had just created, right? The Lull Park. And a lot of people were saying, oh, now that they're kind of new to this thing. Not Riot Central, right? They've been doing right. this for a long time. But Riot Korea, how are they going to make it smooth and have it go well? But we've been pleasantly surprised. It's been very smooth and they take care of the issues very fast. So no complaining there. It's been a great experience, at least for pauses over at uh, the Lull Park. That's amazing because you have pauses like that, especially when we're talking about long days, like what you guys are doing, because your broadcasts are much longer. Um, I mean, yeah. e- even an extra half hour to an hour longer, that's a lot of extra stamina. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you, what you said you got at about 11, 1130. Is that correct? That's for the really late days. For like really that, late that would day. be yeah. a, a marathon broadcast, probably one that goes to six games. Then you're, you're looking at 11 at the earliest. Something I've, I've talked to a lot of casters out here. I feel like the casting situation is a little bit, unique in that we have these block studio events that mm-hmm. are regular out here uh, versus um, a lot of these weekend events or sometimes week-long events. You know, you, you go to China or Germany and, and work over a weekend, over a week, and it's it's a marathon. The pay is usually really good, and then you're done. You're out. Yeah. Um, out here, we've got these little blocks that we have to do stuff in, um, and your day is kind of all tailored around that when you're a caster. Like yeah. when you get done with work, now, the only person I know who can go to sleep right after a cast is actually Artosis. Really? Yeah. Do- <laughs> he just gets Why, on a train and goes home, and yeah. I think he's a sociopath, and his heart rate has never increased <laughs> in his whole life. He can just turn off and, and go to bed, which is wow. something I've always envied about him. Uh, I have trouble sleeping, but yeah. I've always found after I do a broadcast, I need to decompress, I or, or I need to kind of get away from a screen, for instance. Do yeah. you have any kind of decompression process after a long broadcast like that? Well, um, I do like to, this is actually something that uh, I think Wolf learned from you, and yeah. I, I learned from Wolf because I did a lot of casting with Wolf in the yeah. beginning, right, in 2014 when I was first going, you know, full-time. Um, it would just be after every broadcast, it's like this kind of required thing, not exactly like you have to do this, but we both wanted to just, you know, meet up at the local CVS or Mart and get a beer, right? And just yeah. talk talk about the cast. Do, do a and, post-op, basically. Yeah. Like, what happened back there? What went bad? What went well? Yeah. Or, you know, how do you feel right now? Or just to, you know, relax, shoot the shit, and just, you know, decompress like you were talking about. Yeah, I, I've always found that if you don't do some kind of a, a, a post-broadcast assessment, especially when you're broadcasting with different people, Mm -hmm. Uh, it's really hard to kind of know what went right and what went wrong. You Mm -hmm. know, everybody sort of reacts differently with, I mean, just like normal humans interacting. Some people have a sense of humor about certain things. Other people are trying to focus on a certain task and can be distracted by other stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I've always found for me and yeah, I I was wondering, same thing for you is that you kind of want to go sit down, have a beer and say, okay, so how did that go? Yeah, and uh, even if I don't do that, like if we don't go out uh, every time or anything like that, like sometimes I'll have to go home and just like chill out for a while. You know, I'm not really uh, a guy that has to get away from screens. I actually 
like I finish the broadcast, I'm going back home on the bus, I'm looking at my phone, right? I'm yeah. playing a phone game, then I go back home, I <laughs> yeah. turn on the computer, and I'm watching a stream, or I'm like playing something relaxing, right? Yeah. Not League of Legends solo queue, maybe like a card game, something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Something I can set my mind at ease, but, you know, kind of enjoy at the same time. Yeah, it, it's funny. I was talking to Artosis about this. The one thing that we don't feel like we want to do immediately after a cast is play starcraft yeah you yeah. can do i could do it before for yeah. sure but 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 right after i'm like nope this part of my brain was used up somehow <laughs> and um i don't yeah. know i need to let it rest so with with your co-hosts i mean do you guys have a similar thing do you guys all get together and and um because you guys are on a bit of a rotation there if i understand correctly at, at yeah moment. um do you that's... guys have a similar process over there for for you guys where you all sit down together and try to sort out what was good and bad about the broadcast well, that's the interesting thing, the rotation you were mentioning. Yeah. Um, I cast with two very different personalities. One is Papa Smithy, who is uh, a very social guy, likes to, to go out, likes to talk about things, really likes to talk about esports, stuff like that, and uh, is always interested in, like, you know, what can we do better on the broadcast and, like, getting out there. And then I also cast with uh, LS. So this is Last Shadow for yeah. the people that played StarCraft One. Uh, yeah. I, I used to play StarCraft <laughs> 1 against him, but he's now a league caster with you. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so so LS, he actually he doesn't like to be called Last Shadow anymore. He's like, no, actually, my name is LS. His name is Last Shadow, for the record. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. I already blew the, I already blew the lid on that. Um, yeah. Actually, excellent StarCraft 1 player. Um, yeah. Sorry, uh, go, go ahead, please. And uh, excellent in league as well. He's doing his coaching thing, streaming, right? He's uh, He's been very successful uh, in the switch over to League of Legends, but um, he's he's definitely very different compared to Papa Smithy. You know, he he wants to get home, relax in his home environment. You know, maybe get back and do a stream. He's got more uh, these work hours where he is usually up at night doing the stream rather than up during the day. So like, he's not really gonna you know come out with me and have a. He's also not really uh, he doesn't really like to drink alcohol that often. Right, right. So. It, you have to take a different approach for, you know, from my stance, right? When I'm with Papa Smithy, we can go out afterwards, get a beer, talk about it right then and there. But what I find with LS is much better to do it before the broadcast. Like, just talk about, like, what happened the last time or what are we going to do this time? Like, what's the plan? I feel like LS is much better talking about that. Whereas Papa Smithy is a little bit different in that sense because... He likes to bring out things naturally during the broadcast and not really talk about it before. He's like, I have this thing that I want to talk to you about it, but I'm going to bring it up during the broadcast. So he would like to save that content, essentially, you know, with the quotations uh, for oh, no, the wait, broadcast. No. So when he says that, he means he's got this thing he wants to say, but he wants to have your natural reaction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Dan and me have that where... Um, Usually we have it with jokes, but occasionally we'll have it with just an idea. Yeah. Like, I'm going to say this thing, but you might have to let me go on for a little bit at the start of the show. Yeah, yeah. Because I have a lot I'm trying to unpack here. Mm -hmm. uh, or I have this thing I've thought of. Yeah. Just so you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to be planting a joke on you on, on some level. Yeah. Uh, we'll usually have that in the break. What, what is it like to switch from a StarCraft cast to a League cast? Because one thing about StarCraft I've noticed... Mm-hmm. Um, is because the maps are so incredibly different. You end up with different situations where I feel like in League, and please correct me if I'm wrong, mm -hmm. there just seems to be more of a locked-on pattern from early game to mid-game to end game. 
Uh, I would say in a sense that is true. Um, but there are just now I think it's like 140 champions, something yeah. like that. So uh, just like Dota or any other big MOBA that's been around for a long time, uh, there is just so much variety that you can get within the game just based on the different combinations of champions. But you are correct in saying, like, it is just one map. Like, the these champions are usually going to go in one location. You know, a couple of them can be flex and, and stuff like that. But uh, an early game is going to look like this. They're going to be farming. A mid game, there's going to be a couple of fights. And then a late game, if we get to it, is going to be more of like a lockdown, a slow, you know, process to eventually build up to a big climactic fight towards the end. So it usually does have a similar story in terms of that, but the characters are always different and the way that they interact with each other and against each other is always different. So it's kind of like, you know, any kind of battle royale where it's like we all have similar abilities, but we're all always coming out here on the <laughs> same map and approaching it in a different way. Yeah, it's... um. It, 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 do you feel like there's um, a certain routine that you have when you're doing a, a broadcast like that? Like for me, I've always found, obviously there's certain structures you just want to wait for. And you're trying mm. to avoid redundancy, right? You're trying to not just say the same thing every cast. Oh, yeah. Play-by-plays um, um, -play in League of Legends can be caught by that a lot because yeah. – um, in League of Legends, you just get these big downtimes. And StarCraft used to have this. I remember um, I came in right at the beginning of Heart of the Swarm. And, uh... That was a bad expansion, <laughs> man. That was a if you were yeah. a caster, if you worked in television, for that game at that time, that was a really hard one because the Swarm host would drag the game out into eternity. Yeah. It was weird, too, because we'd get more viewers in Swarm Host games. Because mm -hmm. it would it, be just going on for longer, right? Well, and people would kind of be watching going, what the, hell's, what the hell's going on here? Yeah. You know, this game's been going on for you know, a long, you know, 20 minutes, and it's not close to finishing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, those were much slower. Now, now they've sped it up. They give the players more workers, and things kind of get, yeah. to, work, get to their logical conclusion, which I think is better for TV, for eSports, um, for StarCraft too. But it, totally different game back then. Oh, absolutely. And uh, it kind of reminded me of that. So I started in Heart of the Swarm doing like the, the full-time thing for StarCraft. And uh, some of those games, especially when you're new, it's like, what do I even say? <laughs> I yeah. have no idea what to say in this moment in time. I just talked about like the current state of the game. And then Wolf responded. And then he threw it back to me. And I'm like, well, there's nothing else to say about the game. <laughs> just literally... <laughs> yeah. Like, we've been in the same spot for 20 minutes. And just to bring it back to League of Legends, that can happen pretty often, especially in slower games where it's one slow team against another slow team. They both have late-game compositions, and it's like, well, these guys, they fought a little bit, but now they're going to sit here and farm for 20 minutes. Yeah. So as a play-by-play -play in Korea, you have two choices. You can uh, talk about the game and kind of fake hype it in a way, you know, like you always want to be quote unquote professional and like only talk about the game and keep it on topic. Right. But, uh, something that you guys have done and we've kind of taken, uh, a page out of that book is to just stop talking about the game and just, uh, talk about anything else. Right. Shoot because shit a little, yeah. when the games are bad, people actually don't want to know about the game. They can see that nobody's fighting and it's boring and Twitch chat is going to spam Res resident sleeper. And there's, 
There's nothing you can say about the game to make it interesting at that point. So you have to not talk about the game. But uh, the thing that I like about that, at least as a, a caster that's been doing it for a while now, is that it's challenging to actually uh, to cast in those moments. Because I feel like as a play-by-play, -play, when you're casting a really great game with a lot of action, you can kind of just do your thing, right? You can shout a lot. You can you know, make a lot of hype and talk about stuff in the game because a lot of ha stuff is happening during the game. But when you're not, it's just all improvisation and, like, your chemistry with your co-caster. You have to be entertaining and, and keep up a good conversation. Otherwise, people are going to be like, this caster sucks. He's boring, you know, because yeah. you can't make the game fun. And if you can't be fun yourself, then, I mean, you don't really have much else to go on. This has been, I think, for a lot of... I'm actually, this is really cool we're talking about this because this has been a, a thing I think a lot of casters have had to try to struggle with is yeah. moments of extreme downtime. And oh, like, yeah. and, and you know, what is your relationship like with your audience? You know, because I, and I found myself in past casts, you know, try, I end up becoming almost disingenuous or trying yeah. to, and I, 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 I hate that in, in myself no, if I worst. find myself doing that or, or, yeah. or, or I'm, I'm just, if I'm peddling bullshit, yeah, you know, I mean, because I, I know when something's hype and when it's not hype, but I also know when something is potentially redundant and we can have some fun with it. Mm -hmm. And as long as we try to stay um, stuck on the game still in case something dramatic does happen, we can yeah. absolutely have fun. But, you know, these this form of broadcasting is very strange in that it is, for the most part, two, occasionally three individuals broadcasting for hours yeah <laughs> with no no one else hopping in um you know at these marathon events like iem you have somebody who well you have know, somebody you have four people on a desk yeah you can throw two and there's a little bit more of a balance between okay you know who's holding who's holding the ball yeah yeah who's doing this but particularly in korea these these are long form broadcasts with mm -hmm. just two people you know at gsl we have uh sometimes three or four basically three and a half minute breaks yeah so that's i don't know how you guys enough time that, to way. go to the bathroom if you've got a number one and not a number two yeah um i mean it's it's just it's it's a lot of time on camera and it i've always been sort of fascinated with what some viewers like what some publishers like because mm -hmm. i feel like i've heard every possible um type that yeah. people like i've yeah. heard people say you should never not talk about the game. Yeah. I've heard that you should never not talk, that you should not be talking about other games. Oh, yeah. Which is one that always gets weird with, with publishers. Uh, I've heard that, that this is hilarious, and this is exactly why I tune in, is to hear you guys talk, and I like StarCraft, or League of Legends mm -hmm. in your case. But yeah, I've always found that, like, people that watch games... Or, and, and play a lot of games at a competitive level are intelligent. And intelligent people tend to have a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. And I've just thought, you know, this is so much more fun if we're actually just all having fun together. Yeah. And we're kind of hanging out. And this is a cool thing to do. And I know that, um, and this is all pretty long ago, but like in the early esports days, a lot of people really wanted to model this off of some kind of serious face. Mm. Uh I mean, I know I wear a, a blazer and a tie uh, uh -huh. <laughs> when, when I do this, but I guess... Very I, serious caster, a, a, tasteless. A, a serious face, a kind of broadcast, and this all has to be uh -huh. very 
hyper analytical and there's no room for humor here. And I think it's been proven basically with these Korean broadcasts getting so much viewership, people are actually okay with this being uh, fun and more low key. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Um, just you were talking specifically about Korea with this kind of style. Like you guys kind of brought it to a high level of popularity, right? You and uh, you and Dan, and I think with other regions, right? You you think about uh, League of Legends in America or even Europe, they almost feel this pressure, especially because their their voices are going out to the audience that are listening live. Um, it's it feels much harder to just stop talking about the game for 15 minutes if you have all these people that like paid for tickets that are there they traveled to the studio and they kind of want that feel that you know riot is pushing for in those regions as well whereas out here it's like we get all the freedom in the world like we might have somebody from riot listening to us but they're never gonna step in and be like oh no you can't say that or like don't do this don't do that they they don't really tell us to do much at all so we kind of just one day we could talk only about the game, and then the next day, if it's a bad game, we can just not even talk about the game at all, and nobody's going to say anything. So that level of freedom is also, I feel, why we're able to do this in the first place. Yeah, I think with, with Dan and me, what happened was is we didn't have anybody that was, like, I guess, helping us, quote-unquote helping us Yeah, uh, when we started doing this. But we did initially uh, at the company, there was this lady... Uh, who was there who kept interfering with our, our work. She'd come up and say, don't say nerd. And oh, she yeah. Was, there was like some little war. <laughs> this is like the first yeah. season of GSL. There was this little war going on. Mm. And she didn't like, I think she wanted to have us fired, to be honest. Really? This lady wanted to have us fired. And she actually contacted some other casters who were our friends. Wow. I, I don't think, and, and we're like, we, you know, we, even said, we know those. Why did you contact them? They're going to yeah. come tell us. Um, But she, her one of her big, uh, she was a stickler over this where she said you can't say nerd this isn't nerdy you're insulting our audience and i said what are you talking about (laughs) this is the nerdiest fucking thing in the world it's a computer game tournament that we're all so into yeah everybody here's i'm a nerd everybody's a nerd but i don't know there was there was some pushback eventually i think she got fired or she got let go or whatever Mm -hmm. um and then we were able to kind of they kind of left us alone because at that point in time they had basically figured out this is all back at Gom TV, like totally different yeah, company. But way back in the day, um, they were like, "Okay, well, the viewers are happy with this," and they were so concerned at Gom. Um, just to make it clear for the listeners, Gom TV was what owned the GSL. Yeah. Now the GSL has been purchased by Africa TV, so it's a totally different uh, set of people that we're working with. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, they were so concerned with trying to make this big in Korea on the Korean broadcast, they kind of let us do our own thing, mm-hmm. and then we were able to to work on that and, and try to make, you know, kind of having this having fun, casual style and trying to mix that with hype. But I have noticed, um, you know, when you work in, let's take LA for instance. Um, yeah. The number of people you have involved in a broadcast, I don't know if you're able to get away with that kind of fun. I don't know if it's the right environment to have that fun. Cause it's also hard to have comedy, uh, in a cast, if it's done over a speaker in an auditorium, yeah, exactly. the vibe is different yeah. versus, you know, um, when I cast the GSL, when you're casting League of Legends, it's you're you're talking to the people at home at their computers. Yeah, it's, it's a difference in the style of the broadcast where I remember um, doing, 
what was that event? I think it was Katowice. The one time that you guys actually couldn't go that one time, I, I filled in for oh, yes. you. I think we were um, – oh, you, when you, you were in Katowice? Yeah, I, yeah, it was 2016. For some reason, you guys Dan, couldn't make Dan and me it. were in the middle of renewing our uh, work visas here. Right, yeah. And therefore, we couldn't have our passports. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so for So they were that. like, we need someone from Korea. I guess Valdez is going to do it. And uh, it was one of my first international events for StarCraft Two, And I remember being really hyped about it. And then just having your voice go out to that many people, it's especially weird. by the semifinals, I remember in that gigantic, I think it was the Spodek Arena, is that the name? Yeah, Spodek. And there were like something like 11,000, they said. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. That's that's <laughs> not the place. Obviously, a semifinals is not really the place to, to go for that kind of, you know, very relaxed style anyway. But even in the quarterfinals and before, like, some of the games were just like one guy was super far ahead, but it took him 15 minutes to end the game, right? And yeah, at some point you're just saying, yeah, this guy has no chance. This guy's like, fucked everyone. <laughs> can't, you, can't you see how far behind he is? Yeah. And you know, like you just ran out of things to say about that. So it would have been the perfect time to use this style of broadcasting. But even then, just the energy from the crowd and having them right there, like next to you, I guess it just felt more uncomfortable to go for that kind of style. Whereas Casting in Korea only to the internet is more of like a, a podcast style, right? Where it's like yeah. people are just listening to your voices over the game as if it's like a separate file, you know, yeah, in a way. Yeah. And uh, it's more intimate, I think. Definitely. I mean, for even sure. when you hear your, first of all, it's totally weird when you hear your voice going out. Yeah. In, in, into an auditorium. And you go, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. The first time I was yeah. like, whoa. And you're like, that's oh, I, I know I'm the, not really okay with this, yeah. but I have to be. I, I remember I, I, I thought this at times. I thought, should they have really let me do this? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, there's uh, actually a really cringy clip on the internet of because uh, the first time I ever did it in, in front of a real audience. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't say a real audience. I, I did some casting in New York after my brother wrecked me, and then he went on to win the USA Finals. Yeah. Day nine. Um, but I was the room I was casting to was like the other players and the staff oh, yeah. that worked there, so it, it didn't feel mm. weird. And then I got hired to go to Singapore, um, and it was like one of the biggest stages I've ever been on to this day. Really? How yeah, many it, people were there? I don't. I, I did not ask. I was. I got there and I thought well, my. I said my voice isn't going out here, right? And they go, Oh, yeah, it is. And I thought, <laughs> Oh, I'm so fucked. I've never done this. And I. Oh, um, that's scary. And I heard my voice and I said, Are you guys ready? I said, you guys ready? Are you guys excited? And I went, come on. And my voice broke. Like, <laughs> like some fucking, some gym, you know, you know, <laughs> some prepubescent teenager, like, coach, I'm ready. Like, and, it, and I thought, oh, my God, this is that just. That was it. That's, that I was, thought I am bombing so hard. Yeah. I can't hype this. But, yeah, it's a very strange experience to hear your voice go out like that. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, to this day, I think Katowice was one of the the only places where I've where I've heard that. It doesn't happen very often unless you're going to an international tournament that has English-speaking viewers or just no main broadcast. Yeah, that's actually a funny thing as well, is that there are certain countries you can go to where English is not the first language, but you can fill up an entire stadium of people and they will listen yeah. to it in English, like yeah. Uh, Romania. Yeah. Everybody, like homeless people speak English in Romania. That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe some of them are not as good, but I mean, I never had any problem speaking English anywhere I went. Wow, in Bucharest, and mm. the the entire audience uh, filled up the venue. 
mm-hmm. and it's like people were making witty jokes in English. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, some places you go. I mean, you've traveled to Japan, right? Like nobody yeah, speaks English yeah. at all, whatsoever. No, you're, if you're lost, it's like if you're lo- yeah, it's actually. I hope terrifying. you have a phone to translate, otherwise. You're stuck. GG. Yeah. But you can, for instance, Poland at the Spodek, you can actually fill that up and have that with English commentary. Yeah. And the Poles speak English. Their English is, is perfectly fine. Yeah. I mean, that's it's kind of an incredible thing. I, I Maybe this is uh, our super American side coming out where I'm like, that's crazy. You guys can just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because of this... a Polish viewer, they're like, yeah, of course. Like, like of course. <laughs> I speak this in several other languages. For 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then you have that awkward moment where you're you're hanging out with people that work at the venue and you realize everybody's switched into English because you don't speak any Polish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um I guess I hadn't that hadn't occurred to me you had not done as much or as many broadcasts where your voice was going out to the audience. Were were you nervous when that happened or or was it was was it a, simply an adjustment? What what went on in your head? Well, one of the first times was um was doing I, I think for the the quarterfinals of that event it was also going out but it was a different setup because we weren't in the main stage of the arena right we were like on some side stage while some other game was was going on and doing their finals next door it was probably CSGO at the time um, because you know they would do the finals and the semis on the different days but we were like in a side room so even though your voice would go out you couldn't hear it clearly that it was going out really but then once we got into the main arena with all that entire place filled up to the brim and you could feel the energy of just the people talking before the broadcast and then that's when the adrenaline kicks in. You're like, oh man, this is really happening now. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's not like, oh yeah, we're, we're broadcasting back at some random desk in Korea and you know nobody can hear a thing I say unless they're you know listening online to you know 11,000 people are going to instantly react in front of me to my own voice that I can hear. It's <laughs> so weird. Uh, it was it was very nerve-wracking, for sure. Did you ever have any anxiety about public speaking? Was that ever a thing that, that you struggled oh, yeah. with? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I was... Uh, I guess this kind of goes back to uh, maybe a story about how I got into broadcasting, but like I had never done anything before I started casting. Like I, I did not like to speak in front of crowds. I would avoid that at any cost right and I had never been on camera before like I had done one interview randomly at some like festival or something like that yeah and then I just got asked to start broadcasting and it was too big of an opportunity to pass up so I was just like I guess I I just have to force myself to do this I don't know but it was it was definitely really nerve-wracking in the beginning but once you get used to it it it, I don't know you just kind of change over time when you first did it I mean, I guess you probably had the adrenaline, right? There's that weird yeah. feeling you have right before, you know, someone's counting down in your ear. Yeah. And you're going, oh, my God, <laughs> why did I do this? Yeah. Um, I, how quickly did you feel like that feeling dissipated, uh, the anxiety, the fear, or did it did it stay there and you kind of got comfortable with it? Um, well, I'll still get butterflies before like a really big cast, even like not even, uh, finals, but if it's like, oh, we got to broadcast like a telecom war or like, yeah, the two best teams are going at it and the entire stadium is filled up and we already have like 10,000 viewers before the show started. Right. Then it's like, oh man, you know, this, this really matters in a way you can feel it. But, uh, 
obviously for finals as well. I did um, 2018 spring, I think, for, for, for LCK, and I was pretty nervous for, before that broadcast. But the, the thing about it is when you're counting down and, like, when the when the opening video is playing, like, my heart's going so fast. But then, like, maybe two, three minutes in, I'm totally fine. You just yeah. have to start. But in the beginning, it's like, oh, man – Am I going to be okay? Am I going to make it? And then it's you, – you're, like, a little bit too loud when you first come out. You're like, welcome, guys. Hey, everybody. <laughs> oh, my – it's so amazing. And then you yeah. kind of, like, settle in. Yeah. You're like, okay, it's going to be fine. I've done this a thousand times before. It's just going to be, like, a more hype version of everything I've done up until this moment. Yeah, it's it's funny because I have the same experience where – Yeah. <laughs> I, for me now, I almost would, would say it's adrenaline and not anxiety, you know, where – I don't I, – I've, I've definitely just been like, okay, this is so hype and the buildup and the sound. And, and, yeah. You know, and occasionally I'll, I'll almost shake with energy. Yeah, yeah. If, if that makes sense. Um, but it's usually not a bad shake, especially if you do any screaming at the start when you're introing. Yeah. Because, you know, screaming alone actually – a lot of people don't realize they've never really screamed or <laughs> shouted really loudly. Yeah. That it's sort of kind of – gets your blood flowing and you know oh, yeah. it, 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 it kind of wakes you up but uh normal humans are probably not meant to be shouting for five hours yeah in a row, we were supposed right? to be in danger <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're not supposed to just be screaming at the top of our lungs but yeah i think it does something to you physiologically but and i'm i'm totally okay with it now but i i went through a similar thing as you did where i didn't i i had no real I would say coaching. I did. I did some debate in college, but yeah. that was not. And I, I, I was not that good. And mm -hmm. it was never in front of like a, a big audience. It yeah, was like yeah. you know, there's like six people in the room. Mm -hmm. It's like you know the judges and then your friend or something. That used to be scary to me though. I, I didn't. Oh, like it was that scary for me too. Like, I would get all worked up. No. I, had, I had some crazy debate coach that was like trying to condition me to become an asshole oh. because you know he's he's <laughs> you know uh, there's so many ways you can be sort of a dick when you're arguing or laugh at them and, and so yeah. he was. So I kind of ended up going to that in, in a much more emotional way. But um, for me now with broadcasting, I, I feel like I'm more calm and composed, but I had to kind of learn that no matter how weird I feel at the start of a show, I am going to fall into sync with how this is going to be anyways. And also, I found that bombing helped. Just yeah. not having a good broadcast, did you feel like that helped you in any way? Did you ever feel like you had a broadcast that, you weren't doing well in and you knew it and you couldn't save yourself in that moment. You had to get through it. I I think it has happened a couple of times. Yes. Um, I think something that I personally had to get over as a broadcaster was that I was being way too safe. Um, oh, okay. I, I think that your style was, was prone to have more great broadcasts, but also open you up to some moments where you're like, well, that was, <laughs> that was real bad. Right. But I would, I would go in every time and I'd be like, I wouldn't be willing to push myself enough or open up my personality enough to, because I was scared of making those mistakes. Right. But at the same time, it would limit me to a certain level. So I kind of, instead of having like a 10 out of 10 broadcast and a zero out of 10 broadcast, sometimes it would just be like, I was only in between three and seven all the time. You know? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Now, was when you were going for that, was was part of that because you were afraid of, of getting hate uh, or getting your haters going after you and saying, fuck you, Valdez, you know, why are you doing this? Or Well, 
Yes, yeah. uh, that that definitely did play into it a little bit. Um, when I first started, um, objectively now I can look back and be like, well, yeah. I, I really don't think I should have been, you know, put on that broadcast right at the beginning, right? Right, um, right. Especially compared to, you know, years later now, you can look back and easily say, well, I am nowhere near, you know, that that level was so much lower than what I'm at now, right? Um and being able to look back at that kind of makes me feel okay now. But in that moment, definitely, I was just like, "Don't fuck up. Don't don't say anything too mm. bad. Like, don't don't get the people to write a hate thread. You know, that could uh, that could really cause problems for you." W- were you more afraid of not looking knowledgeable, or were you more afraid that someone would attack your personality, or was it something else? I think it was both, actually. Um, I. Just I I didn't want people to dislike me in a way, right? I, yeah. I didn't want to be that caster that was like, oh yeah, I really just hate when he's on the mic, right? Like he just I can't stand his personality. So like the rougher edges of the personalities, the good ones and the bad ones, I just kind of smoothed them out and said, okay, well we're not gonna open myself up to that hate, you know. And also about the knowledge part, I really think I uh, when I was going in with with wolf at the time like i should have been preparing more i just didn't really know exactly what it took like what level exactly i needed to be ready to go and be knowledgeable and you're talking about starcraft 2 cast right yeah for the starcraft 2 this is a funny thing about starcraft 2 as well as it starcraft 2 is such a fucking hard game yeah so when you say (laughs) you know one, one thing i've personally experienced is that when a lot of these pros would switch over into being casters at more of these big events. Uh, so these, so not like the GSLs or, or, or any of the StarCraft events that we did out here in Korea, but international events where yeah. everybody flies out there, generally the viewers and the players um, and the casters. We all do the show. Everybody goes home again. You have a lot of pros they put on stage to cast or to stay at the desk. The pros would, would refuse to do any game that wasn't their matchup. Oh yeah, and yeah. then you and you know I've had have talks with people you know backstage where I said you have to go on. Mm. And they go, well, I don't play Zerg. I say, I don't play Zerg either. <laughs> yeah. You know, but you are a you are a a grandmaster at StarCraft, mm-hmm. and you have to go out there and just talk about this and think about this out loud. And you don't have to be one hundred percent right because the idea that you're going to find anybody that is perfectly up to date with every build on every map in the current meta. Yeah. I mean, a game that is constantly patched. That is just very, very hard to do. I mean, one of the things I've tried to do with casting GSL is when, when a patch comes out, I try to make the cast exploratory. Yeah. Just like, let's just see what happens. Let's see if I can learn this with the viewers. And maybe I have some ideas I can offer here or I could, um, you know, and if, if you really do, fuck up you get something wrong you're gonna find out either way and you could talk to pros and all that as well and and that's very helpful but i mean to go into a game like starcraft where same matchup but one map difference completely changes how the whole matchup operates yeah it's so much to know i mean that had to be such an overwhelming experience for you 
yeah, I mean, coming in, I I played a bunch, right? I, I thought, oh, well, in order to prepare for the game broadcast, I should play the game because I'll learn through playing the game. Actually, but... let, let, let's hold on a second. Let, let's go back. How sure. did you get into casting? Because somebody might be saying, how in the hell was this oh, guy okay. out here? Yeah. <laughs> um, how in the hell is this guy out here doing this if he wasn't ready to? to... So do you want to just yeah, yeah. explain I can... that? I can go over this this story. It's a long one. No, but, go, ahead. Uh, I, go ahead. I think it's a good one. Um, and then we, if, if we if we can we can jump back into into this. But I just yeah, realized because yeah. of the way this started, yeah, yeah, people might be saying, "Well, how in the hell were you even casting yeah, why was if, he if, in that position? if you were in this yeah. position?" Yeah. Hey, we're stopping for a break because people have people have bladders. You got to understand that. Okay, you probably pissed while you were listening to this podcast and didn't even didn't even think that we might have to stop as well. Um, but we're also going to make a quick plug here. You're probably tired of hearing it, but I'm going to say it again. I'm sorry. Uh, please support us on Patreon. Uh, it does make a big difference here. Patreon.com forward slash Tasteless Podcast. And also, we have supporters on the podcast who are really helping us out a lot. Uh, Melty, it's Charlie Sheever and... And John Kernicki. And I'm sorry, John Kernicki. I know I know you personally. I'm just afraid I'm going to fuck your name up. Um, when I'm doing the recording, it's going to go out and you're going to go, fuck tasteless. God damn it. <laughs> I, I, uh, so I, I want to say, I really appreciate your support guys. They're each donating a hundred bucks. That makes a huge difference in paying off the equipment uh, that we're using here. And, um, we have several more podcasts in the tank. We're going to be recording them very soon. And, um, I don't know. This has just been a great experience. I'm loving this conversation with Valdez. I actually had not seen him in at least a couple weeks, you know, we're both so busy. So this conversation has been really fun and enlightening and um, we're going to hop back into it now. So uh, here we go. This tasteless podcast with Valdez continues on. So um, I, as I mentioned before, I was, uh, I was watching your broadcast a lot. You and you and Dan doing the GSL when I was at college, I was getting really into the Starcraft two thing. I was playing a lot of Starcraft two. got up to about, master when it was there na you know so um but was doing pretty well getting you know into the esports uh competitive thing and for a while i was like oh maybe i should become a pro gamer this this seems kind of fun i think i have a bit of skill in this like maybe i can do it so i was going along that direction playing a lot and uh just watching a lot of gsl right um and it just, it didn't really work out. I, I wasn't able to grind the ladder as well as I thought I would. Like, I had a bit of light, ladder anxiety, right? Oh, you got the ladder anxiety. I did, yeah, for StarCraft Two. For some reason, like, uh, it was almost like after I decided that I wanted to be a pro gamer, I was like, wait, that means now the pressure's on to perform. You know, yeah, in the past, yeah. it was just like I was... I was playing for fun, but then once that pressure came in, I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, what if I mess up again? Like, I'm going to hate myself. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't want this to go wrong, you know. So I was doing that for a while. Didn't really work out, but I, I always stayed in touch with the esports scene and uh, eventually switched over to playing a lot of League of Legends when that came out in, uh, in 2009, 2010. Was playing that a lot. Hit a, a top level in League as well. Got up to Diamond 1 and... I was just really interested in that. I was watching all the Korean esports, very interested in Korea, the culture and everything about that. So just very involved. And I saw this post on, I think it was Reddit or some other community forum by Azubu, who uh, I know you you know Azubu, right? They, yes. They <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I uh, 
I did some work with them briefly. They were um, a, a company that was uh, a startup in an attempt to compete with Twitch. Yeah. Which I actually, by the way, real real quick aside, I think that's actually good to have competition. There's this whole problem with the internet where yeah. Facebook is the only social media site that people use to interact with their friends. Twitter is the only thing pe- that public figures use. Yeah. Um, you think about YouTube nowadays YouTube, where they yeah. just have a total monopoly on, yeah. on all the video content that is recorded and they're just like demonetizing everything. It's uh, like, whoa, correct, correct. whoa, what's going on? Yeah, like, yeah. And so so Azubu was attempting to do that. It did not succeed mm-hmm. uh, in its mission, but it was an attempt to be you know something – uh, that could compete with Twitch. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and uh, that was that form that they were trying to get into streaming. That was like their fourth form or something. They were trying many different types of uh, business uh, strategies and ways to do things. But at the time, they were just like a website. They made a bunch of articles, and they were focusing on gaming and stuff like that. And they were also uh, sponsoring OGN, the champions, at the time, uh, interestingly enough. And through that, they wanted to do a raffle where they brought out five people from around the world. If you sign up for the raffle, you can be flown to Korea, five days in Korea and Seoul, VIP tour. You know, they, they took me up to, like, Namsan Tower. Well, I guess I skipped a step there. I won the raffle. Right, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> just randomly. I don't. So I, your first time in Korea, you won a raffle. Yeah, I won a raffle. And so crazy. <laughs> yeah, they flew me out here, and it was like something out of a dream. Right, I'm like, wait, I I always wanted to go to Korea. I thought I would eventually go there on vacation, but now I'm going on this VIP tour trip through Azubu to get five days of a tour, and then also do uh the finals i well not do the finals but attend the finals get front row seats and for og and the champions season one and it was just like this dream at the time i was like a a relatively quiet kid i wasn't a guy that was you know gonna go on broadcast or anything like that no experience and i was just coming out to korea just to to have a bit of fun and was incredibly excited that i got that lucky to win the raffle i uh (laughs) So I, I come out to Korea and I'm just doing it and I'm loving it so much for five days that I asked them like, hey, can I stay for longer? Is there any way I could stay or do something? Like I don't ex- know. Extend your return ticket, basically. Yeah. And uh, at the time, I had I had made friends with the guys over at Azubu that were touring us around, and they're like, yeah, you can you can stay on my floor and you know we'll we'll hang out every night, you know, go out and have a bunch of fun. They were very generous uh, Korean guys that were working for the Azubu Korea office. And so I was able to extend it a week. And at the end of that week, I was like, I can't leave. This is too much. I'm loving this so much. I have to stay. So I actually asked them for a job. And they were like, well, you know, it's a Korean office. We don't, you know, we don't really have much work. But how about this? We were out drinking that night. And uh, pretty, pretty far in the night, I had asked them and built up this courage to ask. And right. So they were like, what we want you to do is we want you to download Diablo 3 on your laptop, play the beginning, and write us like a beginner's guide, a leveling guide. And I'm like, I've never written an article before. Whoa, what? <laughs> wait, wait. That's what they asked you to do? Yeah, I, I was like, I'm not sure how this is. Yeah, well, they what? were a website, right? So they made articles oh, okay. and they made like video content stuff. Oh, no, stuff. that makes more sense. Initially, I'm like... It yeah. wouldn't make more sense if they asked you to drink pig's blood. Valdez, <laughs> what the fuck? Okay, yeah. so they were to like, the okay, yeah. now I'm getting, because initially I was just like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever yeah. heard. Okay, go ahead. So 
I had this laptop with me. It was this old, like, four-year-old laptop. I downloaded Diablo 3. I stayed up all night, eventually sobered up through the night, uh, wrote the guide, and they sent it over to Azubu, and they said, like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll check this out and see if it's good, and if you pass, essentially. It was like a test, right? If you pass, then we'll hire you for something. And uh, they sent it over to a guy that was doing a lot of written content there, and I eventually became good friends with that guy, actually. Really? Um, the guy that essentially gave me the pass on the pass-fail fail for the test. And uh, he was like, yeah, yeah, it's okay. You know, <laughs> like, we can hire this guy. And uh, then I got hired at Azubu TV, <laughs> which oh I was like, God. what is going on now, here, you know? Now, did you fly back to America? I did have it, to it do all... a couple of things where, like, you know, flying back and forth. I had to get a visa, stuff like right. this. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so there was a little bit of stuff where, you know, it was, it was complicated to get it started. But once I started, I was like, I'm, I'm living the dream, right? I thought this was yeah. as far it was, as it was going to go. I was going to work here for like a year. They'd probably fire me and then I'd go back to America, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's where my story is probably going to end. But, uh, I was working for Azubu and they were making me do like, so Diablo three had recently come out. And so that's where the Diablo three guide came in and, they made me stream a bunch of Diablo 3 on the random new stream that they made to, like, five viewers. Yeah, and, to a black hole. Yeah, and, you know, write some content. I did a couple of YouTube videos for them. And eventually, like, they knew I was very good at League of Legends still because before I came, as I mentioned, I, I was at, like, the top level in, in America at the time. So I had told You're them... Diamond 1, right? I was Diamond 1 at the yeah. time, yeah. And... uh which was that there was no master, no grandmaster, or no anything uh, above that. So Diamond 1 was the highest it, it went. And so I told them that, right? I Because, you know, I went there for viewing a League of Legends tournament, essentially. So we talked a lot about League and stuff like that. And so they all knew that I was very good at the game and very knowledgeable. And uh, so OGN, the Champions Season 2 started. And that was Moltrap and Torch. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Torch, he works at Blizzard now. He does work at Blizzard. Uh, Moltrap, I, I see him every once in a while posting stuff on Twitter, just like a comment on somebody. I saw him at BlizzCon, I think. Two oh, really? Blizzcons, I just gave him a, a hug. It was right before the finals. He waved, and I, I ran down yeah. and gave him a hug, and then ran. I didn't have time to talk to him. Yeah, he was I had a nice to get guy. The mic test done and stuff. Yeah, he yeah. was great. It was uh, it was good working with him when so I when I did it. This, so these were commentators, just for the listeners. These were commentators that were out here. How long ago was this? Um, seven years ago. Seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that's that's when I came. 2012. So that's when they made the switch over to League of Legends, and uh, I don't think anybody really predicted that it was going to get as big as it got. And even in Korea, like switching over to League of Legends was like, oh, it's a new game. It might not be successful. It's a risk, right? So anyway, they were they were doing it. They were doing the League of Legends and. Torch, he had to go back to America for his brother's wedding during the finals. Like, they got the schedule, and he's like, I'm going to have to miss the finals and the semifinals. I'm just not going to be able to be here. I have to go to my brother's wedding. Like, there's right. no no canceling it. It's happening. So he told OGN, and OGN was like, well, we're going to need a fill-in for when you're gone. And it was about halfway through the season, so they asked their sponsor, <laughs> Azubu, like, hey, do you know anybody that could potentially fill in for League of Legends casting? And the first person they thought of was me because I was the only person in the company that was like a native English speaker that was really good at the game, right? So they come up to me. I remember this still to this day. 
was really vivid. I was like in the side room where I was like streaming and they were like, hey, can you stop the game? We, we have something important to talk to you about. OGN contacted us and they were curious if you have ever, ever done like any broadcasting or anything like that before. I'm like, well, no. And they're like, well, they're looking for a caster for uh, a filling caster for season two of the champions. Would you like to do it? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? Um, and it was just out of the blue. I had gone a couple of times, right? Because I was just a fan, like just to watch. And um, they were just like, yeah, we, we need someone that needs to start practicing now in order to be available for, you know, the semis and finals for when Torch is gone. So I, I, again, as I said before, like I was never a guy that I, I didn't like doing public speaking. I had never had any broadcast experience before or anything like that. And in that moment, there was that, that twang of fear in my heart, right? I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to yeah. go up on stage and do that. But then I was like, no, I have to do this. I can't not, you know, it's too big of an opportunity. And so I just forced myself. I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Okay. And, uh, so they, the next week they just put me out in the broadcast. Like, I guess esports back then was just a little bit more it open. Was, it was more wild, wild west. It absolutely was. Like, cause I think people hearing this now would be like, how could that be? And it's like, yeah. well, you know, you get, you get a studio out here that doesn't, Maybe they said yes to, oh, we can fill these slots for English casting. Then, yeah. you know, uh, you get someone like Torch in that position. He says, I have to go to my brother's wedding. And they go, okay, we need a guy. Yeah. We need a guy we, that speaks English. We need a warm body. Legends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it. They they didn't ask me to do like a practice cast. They they may have looked at some of the content I was making for Azubu, but I kind of doubt it. <laughs> um so I just show up and they're like, yeah, put on this, put on this suit and tie and, uh, get some makeup and you're going on the broadcast. And again, it was like, I was still in this dreamland. Like I had just come to Korea maybe four months earlier and I yeah. was just only then like getting in the routine of things in my new life in Korea. And then now they're asking me to do esports broadcasting. Now, how did you go from doing that league cast and then casting Starcraft? So I I did the OGN the Champion season two, uh, finished it off. One of my calls to fame at the time was that I did the finals with Doublelift, who's a super famous uh, veteran of League of Legends. Yeah. He's been around forever. Um, I think his team was in the tournament, but they got knocked out. So he agreed to join, hop on the cast because I think eventually people realized like, hey, this Brendan guy has never cast before. I think maybe they need some help, right? And uh, getting Doublelift to help out on that broadcast was awesome and uh we did the summer finals and it started raining like halfway through as an outdoor finals a very interesting moment and after that uh the next season was monty and doa it was their first season of league of legends right monty after me. and doa yeah yeah so i technically predate them in league of legends wow. broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> in league in league broadcasting um now i because yeah, uh i was working with doa at the yeah. time with GSL. Mm -hmm. uh, he was one of the new commentators. Because over for us doing StarCraft 2, they hit the ground running so hard, GSL did, that it was like just too much work. Yeah. it was We were doing six days a week. That's insane. And it was like we were ghosts. Like we were dead people when we'd get out of yeah. the I mean, it was just... And also, there was no time. The game's fucking brand new. No one has had enough time to play. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and the broadcasts were going on super long. 
back mm. then because you know the show was still so fresh and you know they're having to hire new people and yeah fire people that tell me not to say the word nerd and, and <laughs> shit like that um yeah but um and so we went through this whole uh process of just trying to hire anybody i mean that's is how wolf got on board yeah wolf, wolf applied yeah. the same with uh uh trevor torch yeah. um and, and and you know and then suddenly on the side we hear well league is doing this too i mean i remember dan and me being like oh, it didn't occur to us that there'd be another game doing this yeah in korea there should just be the there was no game. moba anything in korea at yeah. the time. so i'm like <laughs> and now it, it sounds funny but at the time no it was starcraft yeah only Starcraft. And then carbon copies of Counter-Strike, like yeah. uh, Special Force, Crossfire, True. Sudden Attack. So, I mean, we were talking, what? Oh, that's weird. Mm. Okay. And then, um, yeah, uh, eventually Doha teamed up with Monty, Monte Cristo, mm-hmm. uh, who they both now cast Overwatch League, in case mm-hmm. you're what if these are the same people. Yes, they were out here in Seoul doing that. And, um, yeah, uh, and so then they, they came over there. So yeah. I'm just getting our timeline synced up. They here. joined forces and uh, became a massive duo as well. It, it's yeah. just weird to think like the the time before they were just like hiring randoms from Azubu, right? Like <laughs> that uh, kind of knew the game, but you know they weren't sure. And then Monty and Doa come in and they were like actually quite good. So they were uh, amazing. Yeah, they were amazing league casters. Absolutely. So. Definitely a big upgrade for for OGN, right? To to get these guys that eventually went on to kind of hit legendary status as an esports caster. But uh, just to answer your question, right? I, I did that. I went back to Azubu. I worked until the end of the year, and then they're like, "Well, you're kind of just showing up to the office playing League of Legends all day." So <laughs> yeah, uh, we're gonna fire you. <laughs> oh, you got fired? Well, they didn't. They didn't say it like you that. You got let go. They sent me back to America, and they're like. Uh, we're we're gonna work on your visa, but we're not quite sure yet how that's gonna work. Oh, that's a Korean firing. Yeah, right there. There's something about Korea where they don't want to do direct confrontation. No, yeah. So you're much more likely to get pushed. But it was bad, right? Away. Because I was like, oh yeah, I'm sure I'll be back. You know, like oh. they're just figuring it out. I I'm sure they continue want to work with me. You know, I was really young at the time too. I yeah. was 21, and um, a, a bit naive, right? And I'm like, oh yeah, sure. It's I'll be back, right? But then after like a month and a half, I, I figured it out. I'm like, oh, I got fired. Okay. I, <laughs> oh, so, no. yeah, it was it was kind of a sad realization. I'm like, oh, I guess that's where it all ends, huh? Um, that So I was like a little bit mopey for like two or three days. But then I'm like, no, I, yeah. ca- I can't give up. This can't be the end. Um, so I was thinking of ways to get back to Korea and... I was uh, I was good friends with Wolf at the time. Um, we actually met 2012, end of th- 2012, right before I left Korea. We did the WCG 2012 in December in China, and we met there. That's also another cool story where, like, uh, we were in the elevator, and the doors were about to close. They were going off to their, like, hotel uh, party where they were all going to, like, drink together. This but is I was, in China? Yeah. Okay. I was, like, the w- new... W- where in China? Uh, it was... Shang Kunshan. Oh, it was like one of those like rural cities, kind of okay. close to Shanghai. There's a lot of them. There's a lot. <laughs> there. There's there, a lot of big cities there in China. Are a lot. So, yeah. Um, and I was like the noob caster that nobody knew, and I didn't know anybody. But Wolf like stopped the elevator doors from closing. It was like something out of a movie. He's like, "Hey, you got to come with us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you want to come drink with us?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, sure." And uh, me and Wolf ended up talking for like until like 4 a.m. And uh, just really 
hitting it off and becoming really good friends from there. We went back to Korea together, hung out for about uh, a month and a half before Azubu sent me back. And so we were pretty good friends. So I was talking to him when I was back in America um, after Azubu sent me back. And I was like, is there anything there that I could do? And he was like, well, there's like a bunch of these random games that nobody watches that Gome is trying to do. So there was like World of Tanks, uh, right? Counter-Strike yeah. Online. Um, yeah, there was this period where yeah. uh, Gome TV was trying to expand as quickly as possible. So one thing, a little bit of history here about Gome. Gome was actually mm-hmm. a media player. Yeah. What it was, it was like an application on your computer. You used to watch the video. DSL on the Gome, on the player. Gome player, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, they weren't doing well, but they tried to kind of pull a Netflix move where they're like, we're going to make our own content. This mm-hmm. is all pre-Twitch, by the way. Um, but yeah. they thought, okay, well, we're going to make our own tournaments, and StarCraft Two is going to be big in Korea and outside of Korea. Mm-hmm. That was their anticipation. And so we'll have premium content put up here. Yeah. And that's how we will save this platform. And instead, the shows were so good that got bought by Africa TV, another mm-hmm. uh, streaming platform. And I don't know what's going on with, with Golem now. Um, yeah. But the... Uh, I'm sorry. So you were saying, please go ahead. Uh, yeah. So all of that extra stuff that Gome was trying to produce while they were expanding, um, we didn't have the setup for English casters that we do now at the time. Right. right. There was not that many people in Korea that were doing casting. I mean, it was it was you and Dan and Wolf, and then there were the league guys, and that was it. <laughs> there weren't a lot of like filling guys that could just you know stay there on the side and you could absolutely not make a living doing just fill-in work or, at the or, time. Or, or you had a series of um, uh, Koreans who spoke English but were just not yeah. not proficient enough to put on camera. Yeah. Where it's like, well, this is not probably up to the standards that a Western audience is going to be okay yeah. with. The English would be sometimes garbled and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you came out, you came back to Korea. So what to- I, what I did was I... Uh, I wanted to learn Korean at the time. And I'm like, well, they have to have setups where they have schools and maybe I could get like a student visa and uh, make it work, right? And just go there for student stuff and maybe do some casting on the side. I never thought that I was like going to become a full-time caster. That that was never on my mind. I, w- I was just coming back to go to school, essentially. And, uh, you know, stay in Korea. That was my main goal. Number one was, like, I just wanted to be back in Korea. I loved it there. It was so much fun. And uh, obviously it was way more exciting than, you know, the dull life of living in the, the suburbs or, like, going going to college in America. If I can ask this, too, as we're having this conversation, mm-hmm. what was it about Korea? I'm not trying to make us go on too many tangents here. Yeah, but, yeah. but why did you not want to go back home? Because for a lot of people listening to this, they might be like, I mean, you're a guy from New York, right? Like, yeah. Wh- why would Seoul be so much more appealing than New York? Well, uh, I was... New York City. Yeah. I, I was going to to university up in Vermont um, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it was like you would, you would go outside the campus and there would be a bunch of farms nearby, like a tiny little town um, of Middlebury, actually. Uh, that was the college, and uh, it was it was a good college. Everything was good, but I was just like I couldn't handle the isolation. Like I had some friends there, but it was just like I don't know. This doesn't seem right for me. So after my first year, I I just didn't go back. I was like, nah, I don't really want to go back here. So I was kind of in this 
this rut where I was playing a lot of League of Legends in my parents' attic. And I was like, I didn't, I, I was working out, I was playing hockey, right? Because I had played hockey for a long time and uh, I wanted to continue my dream of maybe, you know, playing professional hockey or at least college hockey. Um, so I was doing all that. I was kind of just like preparing for a bunch of things at the same time, because in the back of my head, I was also thinking maybe I could still do this pro gaming thing, but for League of Legends, you know? So I, it, w- it was just like not as, it was not nearly as exciting as coming to Korea, making a bunch of new friends, a new city, a new adventure, esports, um, casting, right? Uh, learning a new language, meeting all these really fun, cool people, like, it just paled in comparison, right? So for me, the choice was easy, right? Life in America was all right, but life in Korea was just a lot more fun, right? And when I first came to Korea, I was 20 years old, so I, I couldn't really experience the in-depth nightlife in New York, right? Oh, yeah. You got to be 21 years old to drink in America. Yeah, and I can't believe that's still that's like such a <laughs> stupid fucking law. That's still and everybody. Thing. Everybody in America drinks before twenty one. Yeah, you do it anyway. And yeah. uh, but I, I didn't have a chance to like dive into the nightlife there, right? Okay. But when I came to Korea, the drinking age in Korea is uh, 20? 19? It's nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. American age nineteen. Yeah. So I I was able to dive directly into the nightlife, and it was something that I had never really experienced on that level. So that was also exciting. Also, like, the nightlife out here is so crazy, and it, it's it's a great place to come out and party for sure. So, oh yeah. So so then um, you were going to study Korean, back so going back to school. I found a way to get back to Korea, and it was to uh, get a student visa and learn Korean full-time so I was doing five days a week um four hours a day for 10 weeks that was one level and I did five levels in total that was over at Yonsei Yonsei University yeah they had their Korean language institute how is their Korean language program by the way it's pretty good it's great if you want to go to college in Korea or if you want to do like a job in Korea where you're going to require like a bunch of reading and writing and that kind of thing. Um, it's not the best for speaking, unfortunately. Um, really? Yeah. There are other universities like uh, Sogang has a pretty famous... Um, they have a pretty famous school where they're all focused on speaking, and there's a lot of Westerners there as well. Yonsei, there was a lot of Chinese, Japanese, Southeast Asian, and a lot of those languages are very similar to Korean, whereas like English or Spanish or any other Western language is actually quite far from Korean. Like the grammar's different, the speaking style, the tones, everything is different, right? So it requires a specific way of teaching it, I feel, especially for speaking. So Sogang wanted to do that. Um, now they might not be as strong in their like grammar or their reading and writing and stuff like that, but the people that come out of Sogang, I feel, are much more confident at least to use their Korean for speaking because that is like that is the focus of almost every class that they do like they'll go in there and they'll just have very basic conversations right from the beginning and that's the main focus whereas in Yonsei it was like you're reading out of a textbook and there was some speaking practice but it wasn't the focus so um Yonsei is good though I mean it's it's very famous for being um one of the best if not the best for learning Korean um, can get expensive. I think it's probably up near like 
at least a thousand six hundred thousand seven hundred US dollars for one level. Um, but it is it's a lot of content. That's not right? terrible, actually. It's a lot of content. It's yeah. two hundred hours if you go to every class, right? Because ten weeks of twenty hours a, a week, you're gonna hit that in in ten weeks, two hundred hours. So you get a lot out of it. I would highly recommend it if you have the funds or and the time, especially, and you're like a younger person, you want to explore like something new. Um, it was awesome for me, especially level one. Like some of the friends that I have nowadays. Well, just, just real quick. So, like when he's saying yeah. level one, just for the people listening. Yeah, yeah. Level one is just beginners, then go to level two, level three, and you got to level five, right? Yeah. Level okay. six is the highest. Right. Um, I went to level five. I eventually, I was. <laughs> I started doing pro league with Wolf and I was working uh, a lot and uh, staying out a bit much. I was missing a bunch of classes and I'm like, well, I did a lot. I'm not sure that level six, level six is very specialized for like, if you really want to do well on like a Korean writing and reading test. And uh, I didn't really want to focus on that too much. So I eventually made the choice to leave after level five. Now that is when you started doing more casting right and so yeah so that's where the story kind of goes into starcraft 2 because i did from april 2013 to i guess uh june or july 2014 i was doing the school but at the beginning of 2014 um spo tv got the rights to pro league and they needed another caster and wolf was my my good friend at the time he was getting me a lot of part-time work at gome tv doing those like extra games and uh he said well they need someone extra over at pro league you have a lot of casting experience um have you ever played starcraft 2 before and i told him well yeah that's like how i started in this esports thing like not how i became a caster or how i came out to korea but how i first was interested like the first esport i was interested in and the one that i wanted to become a pro gamer in in the beginning so i told him that i could do it and he recommended me to spo and we started in 2014 uh casting together as a duo and i i think a lot of people would hear that and say because i think a lot of people that watch starcraft assume that starcraft knowledge a lot of times is what comes first or are you a starcraft pro or this or that mm -hmm. a lot of times for a studio they need somebody who's got broadcast let's let's take korea for instance they need broadcast experience yeah and somebody who knows how to navigate korea that can show up that knows the culture the way that uh korean production is done because um, the way that uh, be between la and germany mm -hmm. and south korea the production uh, ordering is all done differently yeah the the, the, the high rankings the uh it's all it's all operates totally differently so when you have somebody who's who knows that background well and is able to show up and, and do a good job it's a huge difference that's like the main thing of importance right like yeah. they want somebody who's going to be consistently there understands korean culture and can mesh well with it because a lot yeah. of people come out here and you know i was recommending yeah maybe you can go to the school but like some people come out here and they're like no this is just not for me i don't yeah. like it i i can't mesh well with it i'm going back to wherever I came from and that's fine but the Korean companies want to make sure that this person is not gonna just up and leave because all of us are you know foreigners that have varying levels of of experience out here and time spent out here and they they just want to be safe right in terms of someone that is going to show up every time and they're not necessarily 
concerned with, oh, is this guy a StarCraft grandmaster? And can he break down, you know, all the elements of the game? They're they're looking at other stuff first before that. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, some people might hear that and say, why the fuck didn't they get that other guy? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Person at home who might be saying Guy that. in the chat. <laughs> Every time, like, GOM TV, for instance, when we started, when we were looking for subs... We emailed every person you could ever imagine who was doing anything mm. or capable. They all said no. Yeah. People did not want to move out here. People did not want to do this. And then you go, okay, well, then who's who's next? Mm-hmm. Um, and you go down the list, and you know, then that's the people that we were able to get. Um, I mean, of course, some people at the time, they wanted too much money, and you know, yeah, we yeah. can't pay that. You know, It's always a negotiation, but... Yeah, you know, eventually you, you kind of see what you get, and, and there's so many moving parts. I think when, take GSL, for instance, or, or the early days of League of Legends, people would say, why is it this guy or that guy who's hosting it? Well, yeah. you know, there's a lot of moving parts there. Have you, you know, thought about how long it takes to get on an airplane, yeah. travel somewhere? It's 14 a, hours from New York City. Yeah, get a, get a, get a work <laughs> visa, adjust. Are you okay operating down there? Um can you stay? Mm. Uh, all these things. It, it's incredibly complicated. And, and so basically at the time, you're the best candidate yeah. for what they had because, and I've seen this firsthand is I've, I've done shows out here with people that just do not know Korean culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember this one time, obviously this person's going to be nameless, but just lost their shit yeah. with the staff. And it, that happens sometimes, you know, where in entertainment, the stress is high, but, you can't you can't behave like that. Yeah, not before the show's starting. And he was yelling in his own language, which nobody knows what the fuck he's saying. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, well, this is just, you know, this is alienating, and, uh, and it's kind of scary too. You know, it's yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, also, it's like, yeah, that's great that your you know your ladder rank is that high. Nobody fucking cares right yeah. now. Okay, we're we're trying to get through this thing. Also, Game? yeah, I mean, just. Uh, you were talking about the the time frame of things. A lot of these companies were new to it, and they're like, "Yeah, oh, maybe we can just get this guy out here." And they're learning the process too. And then somebody tells them, "Well, we got to get them a visa. We got. Are they going to have housing yeah. here?" And then there's weird shit that comes up, like, and it's like a month can't... and a half before the tournament starts, yeah, and it's yeah. like we can't find anybody. Well, he's from. We a need certain... somebody in Korea, or he might be the ideal person for the job, but he's from the wrong country where yeah. that visa is too complicated to get. True. Um, so there's all these different uh, things that are happening, but, um, you having a league background coming and doing StarCraft, to be honest, you're actually a very good StarCraft commentator. Mm. You're really fucking good. Well, I got there over. (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) eventually I I was not a good StarCraft commentator either. I think some people are probably yelling that I'm still not, but, (laughs) but you know, it's, 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 uh, it, it takes time to learn that and to get over that. But, but, um, you, I, I thought. I think you're great. I think you have a very good balance too. Hmm. Um, but, and this is almost where I feel like as we did this interview, we were talking about casting and what it's like to be out here. And then I realized I had not actually properly introduced yeah, yeah. your history. And so to make sense of all this, cause you were saying before, uh, you know, well, I came into this thing and I wasn't as experienced. Yeah. And I know you well enough to know that you're, you're sort of downplaying how much you actually know about games because you're good at every game. That I've seen you play, well, but I gotta play it for a bit. But, you gotta play yeah, it. I'll but, get there. But you're you're very talented, and um, I I, I kind of want to bring this back full circle. And so, like, 
you know, you're doing League, you're doing StarCraft. We're talking about, like, you know, fear of criticism. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been criticized on StarCraft Reddit, and I've been criticized on StarCraft Reddit, and Artos has, has been criticized on StarCraft oh, Reddit. Yeah. And In Control is criticized on StarCraft Reddit every week <laughs> for the rest <laughs> of time. Um, uh. it, but, you know... Um, and I actually, I genuinely don't know because I don't check the League of Legends subreddit. But I mean, mm-hmm. are, are you criticized there? And, and and what is your relationship like with subreddits and people talking about you? And I guess, go ahead. Yeah, please. yeah. So uh, subreddits uh, definitely an interesting topic. Um, it's interesting that our job kind of. Uh, revolves around that in a way the community feedback is all kind of in one location for everybody to see and to put their you know immediate um opinion right in the face of everybody on the internet including us we're all watching you know it's such a it's such a strange concept (laughs) yeah you know like the the baseball commentators they might find something on twitter or something that's like the closest you'll get if you're like a traditional commentator i guess right but they don't have this horde of people who if you have a really bad cast and you know it you're like oh i don't want to check the subreddit i don't want to see the match thread for that game like (laughs) (laughs) because you you just know that if one person who is just angry about that cast they they could just go in there and be like yeah you know today brennan sucked dick does anyone else agree and then all the other people that agree they're gonna all say like yeah and i don't like his voice and uh, the way that he says fantastic, uh, it's just not, I hate him so much. And we're going to see that entire thread and be like, oh my God, <laughs> wait, is this what people think about me? Like, did I need to ingest this, all this hatred of, you know, random people, faceless people on the internet that you're never going to see in real life or interact with in any way at all. And uh, that's why in the beginning, when I was first starting, it was like, well, I don't think it's a good idea to even check the subreddit because then when you for were my first next... starting in StarCraft, yeah, for StarCraft too, for for League, Reddit was a thing, but I don't think it was as big at the time. It was like getting pretty big at that moment. Um, so specifically for StarCraft two, at the time, it was it was it was already really big at that time. So you could always go on Reddit and and check. Uh, what people were saying right after every single game and I remember at the time there were multiple hate hate threads of like who is this guy with wolf or like wolf and and his his buddy they both suck and then it was not like a comment in the thread it was the actual whole thread I think the Starcraft (laughs) reddit as well was really much more toxic back then there was a period where the Starcraft reddit got so bad I swear to God, I did not read it for probably like 18 months. Yeah. I just didn't open it. I thought, okay, fuck this. And it wasn't only about casters. It was about, it was about everything. the state of the game, about yeah. balance, about League of Legends. Like, oh, you, you, like, game. you like League of Legends? Uh, you, you are banned, you know? Like, you can't interact with us if you like that game that's not as difficult, you know? like, And the amount of hatred that was being thrown around, yeah, it was... It was bad there for a while. I think it has gotten a lot better. Um, But, yeah. I mean, just subreddits in general to get that immediate feedback when 
when you know you've had a bad cast, that can be scary. So in the beginning, I was like, I just can't go on this because then for my next broadcast, I'm going to be so self-conscious. Like if they said, yeah, Brendan doesn't know what he's talking about and he just parrots what Wolf says. That was like a really common criticism that I saw a lot. And it was true. Actually, when I think about it now, I'm like, yeah, I, I was a new broadcaster. I wasn't used to coming up with my own original ideas and the flow of the broadcast was strange to me. Um, I had been doing part-time stuff for a while, but like essentially jumping on the big show, right? Pro League, a, a league that had so much history and expects so much out of everybody, including the casters, it was overwhelming. And so I think I was just nervous going into every broadcast. I didn't really know what to say or how to articulate myself very well yet, right? I didn't have that much experience. So at times, the first thing that would come to mind is just a, a build-up or like a extra added point based off of something that Wolf said, which doesn't really make for good broadcasting, right? You want to have a, a conversation, right? A back and forth and two guys that have separate ideas or, you know, different roles or just are able to bounce off each other in one way or another. But I wasn't doing much bouncing. I was, we were kind of like just bouncing together, right? And, uh, I kind of knew that I knew that, right? I saw the feedback and I was like, I got to get better. Yes. But to see that day in, day out and like to go into the subreddit and be like, oh, there's another hate thread. Here we go again. Yeah. That's the worst. Like I already knew, but then to like try my best and then be like, oh, I thought I had a great broadcast, like a much better broadcast than normal. And then go in the subreddit and it's like, man, Brandon really sucked today. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess maybe I should just quit then. You know, it's, it's, yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah, no, it's, it's funny. Cause you know, you, you'll see, first of all, you know, I think there's always the, the difficulty of, of a performer. You're mm-hmm. trying to yeah. put on a show that people are going to like. Yeah. And that's already, there's a degree of emotional nudity with that, oh, yeah. right? You're yeah. already a little bit vulnerable. Um, and then there's the idea of uh, criticism and feedback, right? And um, one thing about the criticism and feedback is normally post show, and this is one of the reasons why we'll all you know sit down after a cast, have have a beer, yeah, and talk about what we thought we could do better or worse, because you know you're in a foreign country and there's not a lot of hands onness, so you're trying to mm. do it on your own. Yeah. But of course, a, a Reddit feedback thread it, it can be such a uh i guess a it, there's a humiliation of now my work is you know or my yeah. crit- is on display whether you agree with it or not i mean i've seen um, negative threads never mind myself uh, other people too where i say that's not fair or i yeah. know, i know yeah. what was happening with that show that was not the issue mm-hmm. um but yeah in, in, a, in a kind of a public setting yeah so that's already kind of alarming and then you have um the idea that if you couldn't handle or you're uncomfortable with a, you know a thread like that on the internet that you couldn't handle normal feedback yeah which isn't the case either but no. I, I and also you know for what you and wolf were doing i think that was hard because at the time people were used to danamy just yeah. doing starcraft 2 <laughs> stuff this was a problem that happened with yeah. a lot of people who are really good casters is that because no matter who's doing it whoever does it first pe- that's the norm that's yeah. that's actually the standard now. People don't like change, especially when it is from people that are 
already really fantastic, right? The same thing happened with Monty and Doe over at League and Papa Smithy when he first came in. When Papa Smithy first started casting, everybody was like, this guy is boring. He's shit. And he's a, I, I want Monte Cristo. Where's Monte and, Cristo? And, and, and I don't want to listen to this guy. He's a fucking excellent Now he's commentator. a legend. Yes. <laughs> you know? Like, but at the time. And he, yeah, he got better. He improved, right? But it's not like he changed as a person. And I think he was pretty good when he first came out, too. He had a lot of experience. But just the, the sudden change of, like, every day people hear Doe and Monty, Doe and Monty. And then one time it's Doe and Papa. And they're like, Who's this guy? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to listen to him. Where's my Monty? I want I want that that banter of years of experience that guys that have been casting together will have. That Papa and Doa, it's unfair to them to expect that same level. And Monty would come on the broadcast and say, you know, well, I don't know if he actually said it on broadcast, but I know that he would always push for people to try to accept Papa and say like, hey, give him a chance, you know, yeah. and all this stuff, but. I, I guess people will just be people, and they just didn't like the change, right? But eventually, people came around to it, and Papa improved, and uh, he built up some uh, uh, chemistry, I guess is the word, with, with Doa, and then uh, Seth was invited out, Achilles, and they kind of like had that going, and people just began to realize, like, yeah, when you look back at it now and you listen to that broadcast... Papa was still a great caster back then. And I think, uh, you know, Wolf, when he, just to talk about him a little bit, he uh, started doing the Spo thing, the Pro League thing with me, and he didn't have a great uh, co-caster to help him out and make the show great. We were always compared to Tasteless and Artosis, right? And you guys were very experienced. You had been friends for a long time. You had tons of chemistry. And then people would listen to me and wolf and they're like this just does not compare and that would definitely add to the uh to the the hatred right like i think people some people would stick take a step back and be like hey guys like wait a minute you know these guys like brennan's entirely new essentially wolf is casting with a new guy in a new um kind of environment right and uh going through his own stuff at the same time in the background and he having to deal with all of that hatred as well, like and and that and that negative feedback. That's just it's really hard to deal with. So that doesn't help the casting, right? And uh, it, it definitely was hard there for a bit, but uh, came out ahead on the other side, I guess. Wolf's doing really good, doing really well over at the Overwatch League, and I'm doing the league thing now. So I guess no, you it guys, all you guys are kind of killing it. It's it's actually so cool. Out. When I when I first got out here, I actually got hate because there was a guy on YouTube who made StarCraft cast called oh, Fozart. Yeah. yeah. And like, he was quite big on YouTube at the time. And his followers came after me like I had somehow, you know, somehow done something personal Yeah, uh, to the guy. And it was weird too because it freaked me out. Yeah. Because I wasn't even assuming that this was connected. You know, I just... Yeah, it's totally bought a plane show. ticket and came out <laughs> here and it's a different show, but... And this is all StarCraft one before StarCraft two, but it was it was very fucking weird, uh, and and, and stressful. Um, yeah, I don't know about you, but now for me, and this has been me for years now, but I, I'm not bothered that much by online. I, I sometimes I find it funny. Sometimes I'll roll my eyes. But yeah, like, online yeah. feedback in general doesn't bug me as much. No, yeah, I, I think when you're 
a new broadcaster, it's like you think it matters a lot more than it actually does. Like you'll go yeah. into that thread and you're like, oh my god, I could get fired. Like Blizzard's gonna come after me. Like or you think that that's what everybody thinks? Me. Yeah, you know, like those vocal minority or in you know sometimes majority. Uh, yeah, they're like that must be a hundred percent of everybody. They all hate me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how are you gonna cast with that kind of mindset? You know, like as you mentioned, it's it's a performance in a way. You're an entertainer. You you can't go up on stage to sing at a concert and right before the concert read a whole book of comments about how ugly you are and how bad you are at singing. <laughs> yeah, how are you yeah. ever going to perform under that kind of mental stress? Yeah, what I did because I had a I I was I, I don't know I'm kind of weird I was I was okay but not okay mm-hmm. with, with with some of the negative feedback because I it didn't bother me that I did a bad job performing because I felt like I knew what I needed to do to improve but I found yeah. that um, collecting too much of that negative information kind of made me off in the next broadcast yeah so for what sure. I, what I did was I just had a very small number of people I trust some friends some not. Um, not like enemies, but people that I'm not really <laughs> close with. Yeah. Um, I said, can you watch this? And then can I sit down with you and really, and maybe we watch it together. Yeah. Cause there's also that weird moment where it's already difficult to watch yourself Yeah. in a recording. I can do it now. It's not a problem now, but at the time it's awkward, it's weird. Beginning. And you go, fuck, is that me? Like, is I'll that this, really what I sound I'll like? I'll have this. Oh, it's tasteless. I fucking hate that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's tricky. But look, I mean, it, we're getting short on time here. But mm-hmm. I, I think you become an excellent broadcaster, man. And, well, thank you and, for saying that. <laughs> yeah, and, well, and I, I think none of us. I know they're teaching esports in school now. There's like yeah. esports, and I don't know who the fuck's teaching that, or what's going on with that. But <laughs> we didn't we didn't go experts. through some school to get here. Um, and everybody's story is pretty interesting. But um, you know that people on the Starcraft Reddit are missing you now. I, uh, you actually, you mentioned this before and I was, uh, I was kind of surprised and I was like, wow, really? I mean, it's, um, I did feel that when I left the StarCraft scene, I, I wasn't that fantastic of a caster. Like I wasn't amazing or even great. Right. But I guess it's all about perspective, right? Because as you improve and grow and get older, you can say, yeah, I'm better now than I was then, but maybe I was okay back then, you know? <laughs> but uh, as you mentioned, it's, it's very important to get the, the real feedback from people that are going to be honest with you, but also aren't going to throw a bunch of hate at you, right? Like, if you get a bunch of comments from somebody that you admire and trust as, like, a, a top-level performer in what you do, and they say, well, you're doing this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, this wrong, you can kind of all write, you can write all that down and actually improve on it and look at it as a constructive and positive experience whereas you know just getting thrown like shit slung from the from the audience basically um that's not really going to be nearly as helpful well this has been a fucking great podcast <laughs> valdez i had a lot of fun this was awesome melty was this a good podcast i think this is definitely a great podcast we have no mic from he says it was a great <laughs> podcast um all right well i think that does it uh, i hope you can come back on yeah, I'd and, love uh, to. This was a lot of fun. If we ever, uh, well, I think we're in the process of making this into a, a little money-making model, but uh-huh. um, maybe there'll be a third mic. We wow. can have set up here. We can have, yeah. you know, all three of us talking, or, yeah. or even all four of us. We got a little 
a dashboard here with four plugs too. Yeah. All right, let's close it out. That does it for this interview with Valdez. Love you, buddy. I love you too. See you next time. <laughs> Wasn't that nice? I enjoyed that episode. Uh, I'm going to go grab a beer with Valdez now. Uh, now that we've finished recording that podcast, it was a lot of fun. Uh, guys, again, if you can support us at patreon.com forward slash tasteless podcast, every donation really does make a huge difference. If you're enjoying this, we really do appreciate the support. And that does it for this episode of the Tasteless Podcast. Again, guys, thanks for joining the, uh, us here. Do spread the word and give us some good reviews on iTunes or you find your podcast. This podcast was produced by Melty, artwork by Ala Reese, and music by Mark Lentz. Guys, again, I love you. I am really loving this podcast. Every episode I do it better and better. We are not stopping. You guys have a good one. I will be back in this podcast.